because uh, we're talking about Christmas, right? Tuesday night is Christmas Eve, and um, I have to I have a confession to make. Uh, uh, Brian's probably with me on this one. It's my favorite night of the year. It's my favorite night of the year. Is that, would you say that, Brian? Yeah, definitely. I think if Christmas Eve were every night of the year, Ryan would be happy with that. But uh, Christmas Eve is my favorite night of the year, with New Year's Eve being a close second. I don't know why. Maybe it just is. I something about it. Uh, but there's just something about the anticipation of Christmas. And really, we've been going through, you know, Advent, Advent season. What does Advent mean? It's, it's anticipation, right? It's the anticipation. And there's just the sense on Christmas Eve where it's like everything's quiet. It's kind of, kind of peaceful. And uh, there's just sort of this kindness towards each other. I'll get more hugs on Christmas Eve than probably any other night of the year. Why? Because everybody's just like, there's just a sense of joy, you know? Everybody's hugging, and it's Christmas, and there's a sense of generosity towards each other. Uh, I got my first Christmas present this year, this morning. Yeah, yeah, felt good. Felt real good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So... (laughs) I remember, like, so, like, Christmas, there's so much anticipation in Christmas. There's so much, you know, I, I remember when I was eight years old, uh, I, I, I've told this story before, but I, I remember just so excited, and I was all dressed up, and I was ready to go over to a relative's house for a Christmas Eve party, and my mom and dad and my brother and I, we were just kind of hanging out, and, and it was, you know, maybe a half an hour before it was time to go to, like, grandma's house, and uh, my brother and I got in a fight. And he punched me, punched me in the stomach, knocked the wind out of me. Yeah, remember that when you were a kid? And you're like, I can't breathe, you know. And he punched me in the stomach. And I just remember the travesty, like when I went and told on my brother, because I did. I was the younger brother. That's what I did. I went and told on him. <laughs> um, that's what younger siblings do. And, and so I went to tell on him. And I remember going to my mom and going, my brother's name is Trevor. Trevor punched me in the stomach, and he knocked the wind out of me. It wasn't just that he punched me in the stomach, but that he was knocked the wind out of me. And I made sure to em- emphasize, on Christmas Eve, right? I mean, because, like, the, you, you're spo- it's supposed to be all goodness on Christmas Eve. You're not supposed to get punched in the stomach on Christmas Eve, right? It's goodness towards everybody. Peace on earth and goodwill towards men and all that stuff, right? And uh, Christmas Eve is not everyone's favorite night of the year. I, I, you know, some people get depressed on Christmas. Some people get a little grumpy on Christmas. They get a little tired. They're, they're kind of frazzled, kind of overwhelmed, especially those who wait to the last minute to uh, run out and do their Christmas shopping to get their Turbo Man doll. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, come on. Right? They wait to the last minute. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, what was the kid's name? With Jamie. Jamie! Yeah, okay. So uh, some people wait to the last minute to, to go out and do their Christmas shopping. They get a little frazzled, uh, overwhelmed, you know. They're kind of looking forward to be, for it to be all over with, you know. Let's get this Christmas over with. And it kind of depends on your image or your, your expectation of Christmas and, you know, those, those pressures that that might or might not bring. Um, but no matter how you feel about Christmas, whether it's, you know, it's, you, you, it's just all peace on earth and goodwill towards men, or whether it's depressing, or whether it's, you know, uh, overwhelming, Christmas is, um, it's a pretty big deal. 
And, um, you know, why is it a big deal? If you were to ask, why is Christmas such a big deal to you? Most Christians um, would say, because of the birth of Jesus, right? It's the birth of Jesus, and that's why we celebrate Christmas. And, and uh, that answer is, is true, that that is why it's a big deal. It's a little bit incomplete, but it's, uh, it is true. And, and sometimes Christmas, that idea of Christ being born doesn't even really seem to move us anymore because we hear it every year, right? I mean, even Charlie Brown Christmas. We watched the Charlie Brown Christmas special last night. It's not Christmas for me unless we watch Charlie Brown. Just saying, okay? Linus comes and he says, tells the Christmas story and turns around and says, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown, you know? And it's like one of the best moments in television history, but... It doesn't seem to move us anymore because we've heard it so many times. And if we really understood what happened the night Christ was born, I think it would change so much for us. And so what happened and what was this all about and what can we learn from this? We're going we're to talk about this. Uh, but first, really quick, let's pray. God, we love you and we praise you and we thank you. Lord, for Christmas, we thank you uh, for Jesus coming as a baby and God, I pray that you would help us to have a greater understanding. Give us a revelation, Lord, of this. Give us a proper image of you. Help us to really understand the story. And uh, God, let your word come alive in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, okay, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. And uh, this is one of the Gospels' uh, stories of Jesus being born. And it says, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you guys, but I could only imagine the the razzing Joseph took when his wife started to show. Sometimes we don't even think about that, do we? But you think about Joseph... First of all, his wife is starting to show, and they've never even, they've never had sex. Is there children in here? Sorry, children. That's okay. You'll learn about it when you're older. But they've, they've never had sex. And here she's starting to show. And of all the things in the world that she could say about this is, it's the Holy Spirit. Like, I don't, I don't care how close you are to God, how devout you are as a believer. If your fiance is pregnant and she claims it was the Holy Spirit, there's going to be some doubts, right? I mean, there's going to be some, wow, playing the God card hard, you know? There's going to be some, like, I don't know if I really believe that. And then I can only imagine what Joseph's friends are saying to him at this point. She said, what? <laughs> you know, you believe her? You know, I, I can only imagine, like, the, the, the pressure that they were under because of that. And it, so it says, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. So he's already kind of going, I don't know if I buy this. I think I'm going to break this off, right? And so as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. 
And she will have a son, and you will name him Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. You know, I've, I've got to hand it to Joseph, because for me, it probably would have taken a lot more than a dream. I mean, I've dreamed some pretty crazy stuff, right? And uh, it probably would have taken a lot more than a dream. It must have been a really great dream, a very vivid, lucid dream uh, for him to go, okay, all right, I'll stick with it. I, I, I can only imagine, like, you know, if he had even doubts after that. Well, I guess, you know. And so all throughout history, people have had ideas about gods, right? All, all throughout history, you, you know, they talk about different gods and, and the gods that they worshipped. And, and you kind of look at uh, the different religions and gods and all those things all throughout history. And gods, uh, gods were intimidating. You know, gods were like to be feared. You know, we fear the gods. And a whole lot of energy was spent trying to appease the gods. Make them happy. How do, we, how do we keep the gods from being angry with us? How do we stay out of the gods' wrath, right? And uh, uh, a very sort of like unpleasant thing, right? Oh, if we follow all of these rules, we have this list of rules, right? If you do all these things, you'll make God happy. And um, people would beat themselves or punish themselves just to hold back the wrath of God, of an angry God. Um, and the God was, you know, powerful and fantastic. And, um, you know, some would even sacrifice their own children. If you look through history, you know, they would even sacrifice their own children to, to make their God happy and keep their God from punishing them. And, uh, but then there's Jesus, right? Then there's, then there's our God. Then there's Jesus, uh, the one who created the galaxies, right? What does the scripture say? He just spoke. You know, I like to joke around sometimes and say he sneezed and the stars went, you know. He just spoke the world into existence. And uh, he formed the planets. And, and then he, he took, uh, you know, and he made a man and he breathed into the man and breathed life. I mean, just the God. And if there was ever a God that had uh, the right and the privilege to appear as this angry, powerful, fire-breathing, you know, entity, uh, it was our God. But you know what? He appeared as a baby. He came as a baby, as, uh, you know, as helpless baby. And so we have this God who is so powerful, so mighty, who just breathed the galaxies into existence, came in a form that needed its diaper changed, right? That needed its diaper changed, that needed love, that needed care, that needed to be fed, that needed to be nursed. And um, I, I believe it's because God didn't want us to be terrified by him. You know, think about that. I mean, you, when you imagine other gods, you know, and, and the terrifying nature of them, and then you go, wow, our God came just like we come. You know, just, just like we come. And he didn't want us to see him as distant. He didn't want us to see him 
as angry. He didn't want us to see him as unreasonable and, and to, to, to be afraid of and worried he'd be tossing lightning bolts at us. He came as a baby. And not only did he just come in as a baby, he came to a very average middle-class family. He didn't come in as a baby to some royalty, right? And, and uh, he came as a very average middle-class family. In fact, he came to a very average middle-class family that was on the verge of bake, like breakup, right? You talk about average middle-class just on the verge of breakup, right? And he entered directly into our experience. He entered directly into our humanity. He entered directly into our pain. Right? He experienced all that we experienced. He experienced the feelings. He experienced the pain. He experienced all that we experience, And he came directly into that. Wow. I mean, I can only imagine, like, even for us, what that would be like. You know? I mean, how do we even, how do we even relate that? I mean, you know, like, if I could become an ant and crawl around on this ant hill, I don't even know. You know, like, how do we... How do we even relate that? But he came in such a way as to say, look, look, I'm approachable, right? And I love you. And, you know, you don't have to beat yourself. Just, okay? And so um, one of the reasons that he came as a baby was to give us a proper image of himself, right? What does the New Testament say? In Christ is the fullness of God. And Christ is the fullness of God. And so, you know, he, he was coming to say, look, I want you to have the proper, a proper image of me. And so this leads me to my main point today, and this, this is this, and that's that your image of God is the most important thing about you. Now, you guys have heard me say that probably a hundred times over the last eight years. But we forget. We forget. And I wanted to remind you today, on Christmas, coming up here, that... Uh, your image of God is the most important thing about you. It will affect every area of your life. Your image of God will affect every area of your life. And so the image that we have of God influences the way that we feel about Him, the way that we serve Him, the way that we share Him with others. Okay? And so in the book of Genesis, the first thing that the devil did was try to ruin Eve's mental picture of God. Think about that, right? What did, what did Satan do when he came to Eve? He's not being honest with you, right? The devil's saying to Eve about God. God's not, he's not being honest with you. He's not telling you the whole truth here. He's, he's, he's holding out on you, right? And have you ever felt that way before? Especially when times are rough. God is holding out on me. He's holding back a blessing. He's not answering my prayers. Am I the only one who's ever thought that before during a hard time? Am I the only one who's been like, God, why aren't you answering my prayers? God, why aren't you, you know, bringing healing? Or God, why aren't you making financial provision? God, you know, am I the only one? But, you know, I mean, where does that come from? A lot of times we have this, the wrong image of God. He doesn't really love you. He tolerates you. Or he doesn't really love you. You know, he, he doesn't really care. He's holding out on you. He doesn't, you know, doesn't want what's best for you. And so the first thing the devil did was try to ruin Eve's mental picture of God. He doesn't want you to have what's best. And then what he was saying. He doesn't want you to have that fruit because he knows that's, that's what's best. He's holding out on you. Oh. And so 
he, he's, uh, in the New Testament, when God reveals his fullness to us in Christ, how does he come? He comes in humility. He reveals his glory in tiny, right? He reveals his glory in the tiny. Uh, you know, um, he reveals his fullness and he reveals his glory in tiny things. He becomes one of us. And so a lot of times, you know, we look at this, we think about Christmas, right? And we look at the manger. He, he became this. He became the baby. There's no baby in here. People ask me, why is there no baby in there? Because when you see a plastic baby in there, it's creepy. <laughs> Let's just get that out of the way. Amen, Wendy says, yeah. So, so somebody used to put a plastic baby in the recliner in the nursery Every day when they left, for months, somebody was putting a little plastic baby in the recliner in the nursery. Well, the mailbox is in, the mail slot is in the nursery. And so every time I would come into the office to get the mail, I'd see that baby and freak out. <laughs> That's why there's no baby here. Uh, so, but he came here. He came like this. He came in a baby. He came as a baby. He came like that, right? And there is a reason why these are close together. He came here so that he can be here. He came here so that he can be here. It's so important to understand. He came as a baby so that he can become a man and he can live a sinless life and he can be the sacrifice for our sins. And he, done that. he did that when he hung on the cross for us. Right? He came as a baby. He came as tiny. He came as one of us so that he could live as one of us and he could spend his time here on earth, a perfect sinless life, and he can become the sacrifice for us. He can take the punishment for our sins so that we don't have to be punished. We don't have to fear the wrath of God because Jesus already took the wrath of God for us. For us. And it's so important to understand that he became our sin. He entered into our shame. He entered into our guilt. And he went all out. He went all out. He, 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 he went the distance. He paid the price. There is nothing that he could have done that he didn't do. He doesn't hold out on us. There is nothing he could have done that he didn't do. He's not a God that holds out on us. His glory was revealed when he took our shame, when he took on our ugliness, when he washed our feet, and he came as close to us as possible. See, all the other stuff is due, right? We talk about all the other gods throughout history that people worshipped. It's do, 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 do this, do that, do this, do this, follow this world, do this, do that, do that. But with Jesus, it's not do, it's done. It's done, right? It's done. And then all we have to do is go, okay, I want to receive what you did. I want to follow you. I want to follow you. I want to believe in you, right? so important to understand that. And so he paid the price. And so when we finally get an image of God that's true to his character, that's true to his character, and his ridiculous love for us, ridiculous love for us, right? It changes everything. It changes everything. And you, know, you can even be a Christian, and you can even be in church for years and years and years and have the wrong image of God. You know, it's so important that our image of God starts with Jesus. That's why he was born. Okay? That starts with Jesus. And we have the proper image of God. This, the next thing is, is when we have the proper image of God, 
we start to find him in the small. We have the proper image of God, we find him in the small. I just love that. I love that I don't have to go to a big conference to find God. That I don't have to go to some big thing where some well-known worship leaders up there and some well-known preacher speaking and we're all packed into a stadium of 10,000 people. I don't have to go there to find God. I can find him in the small. I can find him in the small. And things that we used to deem as kind of insignificant, we begin to see God in those things. Right? We begin to see God in a disabled child. Right? We begin to see God in small acts of kindness. We can see God in a sunset. We can see God in a song. We can see God in a homeless person. We can see God in the small things. And it changes the way that we respond to people and the things that we deemed small because the maker of everything became small and gave everything for us stubborn sinners. Right? All right. So the next thing is, is when we have a proper image of God, we start to find Him in unexpected places. You ever find God in an unexpected place? Yeah, we start to find God in unexpected places. Um, sometimes I like to, I, I'll, I'll find God in films. And you, you, if, you ever, if you've ever been sitting there with somebody and you're watching a film together uh, and, and you go, wow, I totally see God in that. And the person next to you is seeing something completely different, right? They're, they're just like, what is that? That's, you know, then they start to like, you know, call out the Illuminati or something. And, and, and you're just like, I just totally see God in that. That's what a picture of Jesus, you know. And you just, when you're image, when you have a proper image of God, you just start to see him and see his word and see those things like in all these different small little things. We begin to find God in the small. And, and, and you know, just one of the ways you can tell somebody has the proper image of God is they just start to see him everywhere. They just start to see God at work here and what God can say there and we start to see God, the character of God here and there, right? Because they have a proper image of God. And, and when somebody doesn't uh, have a proper image of God, what do they see? Oh, they're seeing, you know, conspiracy here. They're seeing indoctrination there. They're seeing like, uh, they're seeing just like, you know, Satan. They like see the devil under everything, Right? And so uh, I want you to have a proper image of God. Why? Because when you have a proper image of God and you start to see God everywhere, it brings so much joy to your life. You start, yeah, like, I knew one lady, and this was a, a lesson that, that I learned, uh, you know, 30 years ago, is, is a woman told me every time she sees a penny on the ground, like, okay, you and a, a lot of times we see a penny on the ground, we're like, sometimes we even toss them in the trash. We're like, a penny's worthless, Right? And, and she goes, every time I see a penny on the, God, on, the, on the ground, I feel like it's God saying, he loves me. Every, just every time I see a penny, I pick it up and I go, oh, God really loves me. And she takes it and she brings it home, puts it in a jar, and sometimes she put it in the offering or whatever. But, you know, it was like, and I'm like, well, I never thought about that. I just thought a penny is a penny. See a penny, pick it up, all the day you'll have good luck. You know, y'all remember that? Oh, gosh. But, you know, we begin to see uh, God in unexpected places. And, and God doesn't limit himself to nice, perfect people in nice, perfect places. He doesn't. You know, the problem with waiting to see God in nice, perfect people in nice, perfect places, you'll just hardly ever see him. 
right? You just because you can because there is no perfect people and there are no perfect places. You know, if you find a perfect place, don't go in. You'll ruin it. You know, and so just uh, we begin to find God in all these different places. God can be found in the homeless shelter. God can be found in the nursing home. You know, God can be found at your job, even if you hate your job. God can be found there. God can be found at your school. God can even be found at the motor vehicle department. If you look hard enough, you will find him. You'll find him, you know. Uh, God can be found in this neighborhood, you know, all over the place. God can be found. And so uh, uh, God has a way of just making all things beautiful. He makes all things beautiful. And so uh, when we have a proper image of God, we start to find him in unexpected places. And the next thing is, is when we have a proper image of God... We see that we're made in the image of this humble, lavishly loving, countercultural, go all the way God. You're made in His image. But if you don't have a proper image of God, it's hard to see that. Right? When you don't see God the proper way as He is, it's hard to see that we're made in His image. We're made in His image. Did you know you're God's selfie? You are. You are God's selfie. Scripture says you're made in His image. You, you are God's self-portrait, right? What, you know, when a, when, a, when a painter, when an artist has, kinda, has, has been at it and they're, and they're really good, you know, the, the, all the, the classics, the, the guys, the really famous, what, they make a self-portrait, right? You're God's self-portrait. You are His magnum opus. You are His grand creation. You know, you're it. After God created the world, and he made, you know, he created the stars, he created the galaxies, he created the mountains, all these beautiful, wonderful things that take our breath away. After he did all that, he saved the best for last, and he made you. Yeah. You're created in the image of God. But when you have a proper image of God, you can see that. Okay? And so you have inside of you an all-the-way capacity. You have inside of you the capacity to go the distance, to go all the way, just like Jesus did. To not shrink back, to not live in fear, but to go all the way. Jesus didn't hold anything back. You have inside of you the capacity to live for God with everything in you. With everything in you. Sometimes we see somebody that's really taking big steps of faith, right? They're really kind of, they're like, you know, they're, 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 just unselfishly, lavishly giving and they're helping other people and they're sharing their faith and they're just really just worshiping with all they got. And a lot of times we look at those people and we think that they're on some sort of different level or tier than us, right? Oh, uh, you know, she lives that way because she's a worship leader or he lives that way because, you know, uh, his parents were missionaries or parents were missionaries, right? They live, that, they live that way because of this and we think that they're on this like other level, they're just, they're on a whole other level, and I'm down here. But the fact of the matter is, is when you have a proper image of God and God in you, you have that capacity. That person is not on another level. You're just not living up to the capacity God has placed in you. Okay? That kind of life is not for pastors or pastor's kids or missionary's kids. That, that kind of life, that, that is not for somebody who's living way up here and I'm way down here. No! God has placed in you the capacity to go all the way. 
to go all the way. All right? To be a light in a dark world. To not play it safe. Not, to not be plain vanilla. Right? But to go all the way. And I like vanilla. Okay? I love vanilla. Vanilla's good. Right? <laughs> yes. But to be a Christ follower, you know, to go all the way as a husband, a neighbor, a Christ follower, a business owner, and just willing to pay the price. That's not for somebody else. That's for you. That's for you. That's for you. It doesn't matter what your job is. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter what you feel your calling is, or even if you think you know you have whatever inkling of a calling. It's for everyone, made in the image of God. Okay? And the last thing is this. When you have a proper image of God, when we have a proper image of God, we can accept that God with us includes everyone, including you. God with us. Emmanuel, God with us includes you. You are not exempt. God didn't come just for exceptional people. God didn't come just for the people, uh, you know, with a, a, a healthy BMI. God didn't come just for people who make more than 70000 a year. God didn't come just for people uh, who have it all together. God didn't come just for people who, you know, uh, wear the right clothes or drive. That. God came for everyone. Everyone. God even came for unlikable people. You ever been glad for that? Some of you need to show a little more appreciation for that. God even came for unlikable people. Unlikable people. God is not an employer who's blessing the exceptional and overlooking the average. That's not God. That's not God. Sometimes we think that, right? We're like, oh, you know, God's blessing these exceptional people, but I'm just sort of an average person. That's not God. He's not an employer. His, his love is, is not conditional. It's unconditional, Right? And all we have to do is just accept that we're loved by Him. That we are loved with an incomprehensible love. Incomprehensible love. One of the things about God's love is that we will not fully understand His love probably until we stand face to face with Him. Right? It's so big, it's so awesome, it's so massive. And here's the thing is that love is directed at you. That, that love is... Is shining on you. It's, it's, it's directed at you. Wow. Wow. And you know, here's the thing is that when you know that you're loved, like, have you ever, like when you know you're loved, when you're, uh, it's, it's cool because uh, uh, Patty was sharing something on, on our, so we actually, we're, next year we're going to be launching our own Mercy Vineyard social network. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, but we've got, our leadership team is on there right now. And she's been sharing, uh, the, uh, the, the, the scientific power of, like, hugs, like, and what it does for your physiology, what it does for your mental state, and all those things. And uh, when you know that you are loved, isn't it so much easier to love other people? Yeah, it really is. When you know that you're loved. And when, when we accept God's love, His love for us, His incomprehensible love for us, when we really see Him in the image that he wants us to see him in, and, and we understand how incredibly loved we are, it's just so easy to love other people. It's so easy to be generous to other people. It's so easy just to be nice. Right? Yeah. And so we just have to accept that we're loved by him with an incomprehensible love. And so uh, 
what we're going to do is, Tuesday night, we're going to come back and we're going to celebrate Christmas together. Um, but today, what I want to do is, I just want to close by challenging you uh, about the way that you think about God. And, and just challenge you and say, you know, think about, how do you think about God? When you pray, do you imagine this incredibly loving God smiling back at you? Or do you imagine someone with their arms folded, right? Not so happy with you, disappointed with you, right? When you think about God, what is the image that you have? Do you see him as loving, as generous, as willing to go to the extremes from the manger to the cross to make things right between you and him? Is that what you imagine? I want you to imagine that. Because what you think about God, your image of God, is the most important thing about you. And so the worship team, if you want to come, I'm just going to pray for you. And uh, why don't we just stand up together and we'll pray and and, uh, sing one more song. Yeah. Uh, I just thought about something as I was doing that. I know that some of you guys have uh, a picture of God that is maybe distant, maybe just sort of tolerates you. Some of you guys have uh, pictures of God that are, that are really skewed, that uh, are, are more like what the devil tried to get Eve to believe. He's holding out on you. He's really not, it's really not about your best. He's really, you know, he's not really being, you know, an inaccurate picture of God. And um, so I, I just want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. Over the last three weeks, we did, uh, we talked about gratitude, right? And we talked about, like, uh, writing down, keeping a gratitude journal and, th- and, and just writing out the things that we're thankful for, even if we've got to dig for it, right? Even if we've got to go, oh, okay, God, give me something. And um, I believe that, that sometimes our image of God can be that way as well. And so I want to challenge you to begin to practice having the correct image of God. And maybe that's through gratitude, Maybe that's like in your gratitude journal, just writing, thank you, God, for being incredibly loving towards me. Thank you, God, for making me in your image. Thank you, God. You know, and even practice that in your gratitude and begin to even rewire the way you think about God. Because sometimes the biggest challenges like this, remember I said your image of God is the most important thing about you? Sometimes the most important things, uh, God doesn't come along and just go, your image of God has changed. Sometimes God wants us to do the work of rewiring the way that we think about Him and rewiring the way that we see Him. And so uh, before we pray, I just want to challenge you in that. 2020 is coming up. It's a new year coming up. Give yourself a 12-month challenge to write something about God that you're thankful for every day, right? And begin to do the work to rewire the way that you think and change your image of God. All right? Let's pray. God, we love you. And we praise you and we thank you. God, I pray that we would have the right image of you. That when we think of you, that we would think properly of you. We thank you, God, for Christmas. We thank you for sending Jesus in the form of a baby. 
that in Jesus is the fullness of God, that we see the fullness of God. So God, help us to have the right picture of you, the right image of you in our hearts, in our minds, God. God, that we would see you in the small, that we would see you in unexpected places, God. And God, that we would be people who reflect you properly as well. Oh, Lord, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.